Good morning. Our first Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 13. I've got the big print Bible, so it's on page 1520. I'm sorry, I don't know what page it is on the regular one. 682. Thank you. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he, he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even they... What they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 8 to 13, in the large print Bibles, page 1069, in the smaller Bibles, page 477. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. 
He said, Go and tell the people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding, Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, Make their ears dull, and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted, and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. This is the word of God. Morning, everybody. Good to see you all this morning. Um, last week um, was a question and answer morning, and we got lots of questions, but I only answered one of them, as you all know. And uh, a number of you have asked that I answer further ones. But I have a little bit of a difficulty in that Stephen had sort of specified that we were now going to start a series on Matthew's Gospel. So um, uh, we need to to do that, but I will take it up with Stephen uh, when he gets back um, and say to him, well, look, you know, people would like these other questions answered and uh, can we slot it in somehow? So you'll just have to be patient. I know that that's difficult for all of us, more so for me, because I would have loved to have uh, continued to... They were such really good, hard questions that uh, you asked, and they're practical, you know. You've got to live in the world, and you need answers to how do I do this, or what do do I think about this thing? And so it's good to be able to do that. And it's an honour for me to be able to uh, share the truths of the scriptures with you that way. But we need to do this as it's been sort of specified. And what Stephen had planned was that these um, sermons on the parables in Matthew's Gospel were to sort of build on from the mission and to sort of give some explanations about where we're going in mission and what we're, we're doing. And so he's given, uh, the first one is Matthew chapter 13, which has a terribly difficult passage in it, um, about the, the bit, little bit from verses 13 down to uh, 13, 14 and 15 are difficult verses to try and work out what they mean. But I'll give it a lash. Um, see what I, I can say and if you... If you're not satisfied, then hit me over the head at the end of the service or something like that. Let me pray and we'll turn to God's word. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word, we do ask that you'll be with us. Help us to be able to understand it and to put it into practice. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
expectations. There are times when our expectations are reached. You go out to dinner and the meal is as good or better than you actually thought it would be. There are other times when it's not. The movie wasn't up to it. Or even more seriously, the operation didn't go as well as was expected. The Jewish people had had expectations of being out, able to get out from underneath people who had oppressed them for centuries. The Jews in 720 were defeated by the Assyrians. Then in 595, the Babylonians captured the country and took them off, some of them, off to Babylon. They were eventually, many of them, able to return. But then in 63 BC come the Romans and they take over the land. And so anybody, any group of people that are oppressed want to be free. Just think of the situation in Syria today. It was hoped that somebody would come and save them. The Old Testament had taught them there would be somebody born of the line of David, their greatest king. Their hope was that he would come with an army, defeat the Romans and bring peace and tranquility. Jesus Christ is born. He is born of the line of David. And one day, at about 28 years of age, he stands up in the synagogue and he quotes from the book of Isaiah. And he he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. Well, that's fine, they would have said. We've read that for yonks. But then he says something which was earth-shattering. He says this to them. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So they immediately think, is this the Messiah? But they're puzzled because they say, no, it can't be. He's Joseph's son. We know he's old. We know his parents. He can't be. But Jesus continues a public ministry and he keeps telling people that the kingdom of God is to come. In fact, it is actually broken in. With him coming, it's actually started. And of course, they become more puzzled because he doesn't come into Jerusalem as a conquering general He has no army. In fact, he does the reverse. He says to them, turn the other cheek. Or go the extra mile. 
Now it is in it is with this backdrop that Jesus tells this parable. We've got to bear that in mind when we listen to what he says. Because what he is talking about is the kingdom of God. And he starts off and he tells them about four soils, which makes it even stranger. He tells them about a first seed. It falls on the path where people would like usually walk. You know, we put down concrete paths and then everybody takes a shortcut and you end up with a hard piece of ground, don't you? Well, you can't, if you sowed seed on that hard piece of ground, nothing grows. Then, and that of course, can be what some people are like. They do things all the time. But they don't have much depth. And we are told in this passage that the birds eat it up. In other words, some people might begin to think about God and the Lord Jesus, but because they're so busy with the things of this life, it goes away and they're not interested. Martin Luther once said, We cannot stop the birds flying over our heads, but we must take heed lest they nest in our hair. In other words, people can be snatched away from God through false teaching, through pride, prejudice, stubbornness. It might simply be or might be simply just people have a hardness of heart like the path is hard. The second kind of soil is in verses 5 and 6. Jesus says, Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. The second soil is rocky. I understand in Palestine there are large plates of limestone rock under the topsoil. And so the seed goes down that far, then can't go any further, and because there is no water, then the seed dies. And that may actually be like people who come for a while. In verse 20 we read these words about that sort of seed. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. In other words, what he's talking about here is an emotional sort of Christianity. It's the impression that people say, oh, isn't this great? And they might come into the church for a while. But in the end... They turn away. They show really no outward sign. They might show outward signs of having a faith in Jesus, but because they really haven't come to a faith, it's just an emotional thing for them, a fad, 
they give it up. The third soil, we are told, falls among thorns. And in verse 22, what happens to it? It says this, The seeds falling among the thorns refer to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the words, making it unfruitful. In preparing this uh, address, I sort of thought, what's the relevance to our congregation of all these four soils? Well, you've been members of the congregation and Christians for a long time. So... You don't fall into the first category. Having persevered, you not just have joy in the Lord, but an intellectual belief and faith. And so you're still here. But the third one can be a warning to us, can't it? For we, by world standards, are very wealthy. Only 3% of the world live in houses like ours. It's incredible, isn't it? We are also very, very busy. Or it might it be that the things of this life, it says, and the deceitfulness of wealth, I'm all right. Everything's okay. I don't need God or the Lord Jesus and they give it away. It might be I've got to work harder for that promotion so that we've got more money so I don't have time for Christianity. We all know Christians who have fallen away. One of the reasons why I've been involved in chaplaincy to sportsmen and women is because I've seen many young people who were Christians and were converted and had a faith And they grew up and as they rose through the representative ranks of sport or international, they gave it away. They weren't able to get to church, they weren't able to get into or have fellowship in a Bible study. The things they just got involved with the other non-Christian pagan things that their friends had and so they give it up. And so we are reminded here of it's a warning to us. It might be health things that might turn people away. If God is a God of love, why has he done this to me? I'm not going to have any more to do with him. We need to be careful. And then the last soil is the good soil. It accepts the word of God. It repents of their sin. And people grow in their faith. And we are told in verses 23 about it this way. The seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears and understands. Now, in that very difficult passage, in verses 13... 
to 15, which uh, is a quote from Isaiah, what God is saying is that people can hear things, but they don't really want to listen. You know, it happens all the time, doesn't it? We men often never, often don't hear our wives, what they say to us, do we? You know, I wear hearing aids principally because my wife's voice is the most difficult one of all to hear. No, not really. And it can be like that, can't it? And we can see the truth and we can see what we need to do but we choose not to. And that's what Jesus is saying here in that little bit of the bit of the scriptures. See verse 15, for his people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. They don't want to listen to the truth. But if they do, there's wonderful things. If you, in the last part of verse 15, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. So it may take a long time for some people to come to a faith and trust. They may hear the word of God for a long time, but not come but eventually come. And Jesus promises to heal them. In other words, their sins are forgiven. They come to a faith and trust in Jesus. So what happens, what Jesus is saying to us here, and there are two applications in regards to this parable. The first one is simply to ask you, What sort of soil are you? Only you know that. For example, if you're going through a really tough patch at the moment, the thorns might be getting at you and you might be wondering whether you should give up your faith. And I say to you, and Jesus says to you, hang in there. If you have hardened your heart against the word of God, repent before Satan drags you away. But the second application of this parable takes us back to what I was saying to you at the very beginning of the sermon. The people are waiting for the kingdom of God to come. And Jesus stands up and says, It's here. And they are confused, rightly so, because their expectations was different. Their expectation was that they would no longer be under the thumb of the Romans, that it would be an earthly thing, that Jesus would come, that diseases would go, that the Romans would leave and that they would have a sort of paradise on earth with everybody on side. But no, that wasn't the case. And actually it's not the case for us, is it? 
because we live. We might be followers of the Lord Jesus and we know that he is sovereign. And yet, if I point at each one of you, you can tell me of some suffering you're going through at the present time or have gone through. It doesn't look like God is in control. It doesn't look like the best is happening. But it is. And God is working his purposes out in our lives in a different way at times to what we are expecting. And we wish that things were different. But they're not. And so we are left with this puzzle. The kingdom of God has come. And yet it still hasn't come in a way. God is sovereign, but it doesn't look like he is. But the Bible teaches us that he is. And it is by faith in our mind and our heart that we believe. For we cannot always see what God is doing. And his kingdom is growing. And that's what verse 23 is about. It says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. So that is you and me. And then it says this, and these are the words of encouragement that Jesus is giving to his disciples. He says this, this is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. This little story I'll tell you might take some concentration because I might, I find it difficult to tell with all the people in it. My mother-in-law, before she met my father-in-law, wasn't a Christian. But she went out somehow with another boy who was a Christian. And he brought her to a faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Then he told my mother-in-law's mother, are you still with me, the gospel. And she was converted. And then he told my mother-in-law's sister, the gospel, and she was converted. And it went through the family. And from then, and then my mother-in-law, for whatever reasons I do not know, gave him up and married my father-in-law, who was a Christian. And the other members of the family married. And now there must be 60 or 80 Christians because of that one man. Now that's what this verse is on about. And you see, if your parents told you the gospel and you were converted or a Sunday school teacher told you the gospel, at Alan Condy's funeral on Friday I met a fellow and he said to me, I am here because Alan Condy told me about Jesus 
as a, he was my Sunday school teacher. No, a long, long time ago. And so that's what this verse and this parable is about. It's about encouraging you. See, we're not a big congregation, are we? You know, there are probably more people in East Linfield walking their dog this morning than there are people here in this church building. And we think, God, what are you doing? Why don't we have more people? Why aren't there so many people in here that we have to shut the doors and say, you can't come in, there's no room? But we're a small in number, aren't we? But think back. Think of the people who have come to a faith because of you or have grown in their faith because of you. Hannah and Nick will go to Fiji. They'll sow the seed again. And just think of the Christians that have come out of the islands, Tonga and Samoa and Fiji, because the Methodists went there so long ago and told people about Jesus. Or the Christians in China because Hudson Taylor went. Think about it that way. We can get depressed, and I wish we had lots more people in our church at the present time. But it's not so at the moment. But be encouraged. Jesus is reminding us here that his kingdom started with 11 people. There were 12 and one went his own way. And now there are about 200 Two and a half billion Christians in the world at the moment. And in other countries, it's growing enormously. So we have expectations that God will do certain things, but He doesn't always work the way we expect Him to do. But He is sovereign. He does care for you and he does care for your loved ones. So my friends, persevere and keep sowing. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We do pray that you will keep us as followers of the Lord Jesus and when we get the opportunity, help us to be able to share what we believe about Jesus with others. And may you, in your good time, bring more and more people that we know to a trust in Christ, for we pray in his name. Amen.